we live, the reality of the resurrection should change everything about how we operate in this world. The desires he gives us are good, but we first must be aware of them, and then second, go about them in the right way to give him the glory that he deserves. So we're going to dive into this concept today as I have the honor of kicking off our new series, Jesus, the Bread of Life. So go ahead and open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 4. Page 1376, I believe, if you're using a pew Bible. And kind of just a little context here. Jesus had just been baptized. So his earthly ministry was basically day one. His earthly ministry had just begun. And this is Matthew's account of what happens after Jesus' baptism. Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. I don't know about you guys, but I love how God has a sense of humor. Like the Captain Obvious statement in verse 2. Jesus didn't eat for 40 days and he was hungry. You think? I would be a monster if I didn't eat for 40 days. Has anyone fasted for 40 days? Yeah, I didn't think so. Those are the real Christians. <laughs> None of us. I actually, I know, one, I know one man that has done that. And that was rough. 40 days. That separates the real Christians from the phonies. So Jesus was led into the wilderness, and here comes the devil, tempting him to sin, doing everything in his power to get him to turn his back on the Father. And in this first of three temptations, the devil tempts Jesus to satisfy his own needs. Jesus was hungry and said, hey, turn these stones to bread if you are, in fact, God. In other words, feed yourself so you're not hungry. It seems easy. And to take it a step further, Satan wanted Jesus to satisfy his needs in his own power. Apart from the Father. And the temptation of temporary satisfaction and trying to meet our needs in our own strength is a way of operating that every single one of us is far too familiar with. And I love how Jesus ends this particular interaction with Satan by quoting from the book of Deuteronomy. He says, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Notice he's not saying that bread is bad. Jesus knows we have to eat to stay alive, right? He's not dumb. Bread is not bad. But he's saying real life, real sustenance is found in the word of God. Just like we need physical food, we need the spiritual food of God's word to strengthen and nourish our souls. That's how we truly live, to listen and obey the word of God. That is what gives life. Let's take a minute, and I want to examine the posture of the devil in this passage to get some insight into his agenda 
as he meets Jesus in the wilderness. If you didn't know, the devil goes by many names, many names throughout the Bible. Um, Satan, the tempter, the accuser, they call it, he's called a murderer, a thief, um, the adversary, among others. Here's what scripture uh, tells us about him. We have a couple different slides here. 1 Peter 5, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. One more. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. If you didn't know, Satan is our enemy. He is a lion seeking to devour us. He's a murderer. He's the father of lies. He is a thief, and his mission is to steal, kill, and destroy your life. He hates you, and he is dead set on ruining your life. Like a lion looking for food, he seeks out the weak and the vulnerable because they are the easiest target. He knows when we are weak. He has studied us. He has studied you since the day you were born. He knows how to bait his temptation hook precisely for you to get you to bite. I'm not trying to be morbid. I'm just telling you the reality. He knows how to tempt you. He knows what you turn to for a quick fix when you don't know how to navigate and handle the pain, the stress, and the difficulties of this life. Be it sex, food, alcohol, Performance, isolation, impulsive spending, violent outbursts, self-criticism, criticism of others, blaming. Sometimes we even turn to good things to avoid dealing with our pain. Being extra kind to a neighbor, serving a friend, those aren't bad at all. But when we use them to cope with life difficulties instead of addressing and dealing with our pain... We've crossed an unhealthy boundary, and that's easy for us to fall into. The devil will do everything possible to get you to settle for the quick fix, to feel better instantly rather than using your desires in a way that will lead to healing and growth for yourself and for others. And I think it's pretty safe to say, I don't have to probably convince you guys, that as Americans, we want what we want. You're already shaking your heads. We want it our way, and we want it now, right? Nearly everything in our society caters to our desire for instant gratification. We get mad when our microwave food doesn't warm up quite as quickly as we would like, so we can make it to that meeting. Mm. But these temptations by Satan are really just our desires that have gone wrong. Look at what the book of James has to say, James 1.14. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. This is what we're going to hit on for a while. Our temptations are nothing more than misplaced desires. Think about it. We have desires in us that God has called good, but we often go about them in the wrong way. In his book, The Soul of Desire, 
Christian psychiatrist Kurt Thompson said this. We don't desire just anything. We aren't interested in the dull or in the painful. We don't eagerly anticipate the adequate. We don't long to get the flu. We don't hope to be more ashamed by the end of the day. No. We long for a world of beauty and goodness, of biblical justice, of putting all things right. And the deep desires of our hearts are for life to be as it was originally intended to be in the garden. Full of beauty and goodness, without sin, without suffering. Who does not want that? No pain, no suffering. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, God has set eternity within the human heart. He has set eternity within the hearts of every human being. All of us long for our true home. If you haven't figured it out yet, nothing in this life will satisfy you. I know you've tried, right? That man, that woman, that job, that house, that seven-figure job. Ooh, that'd be cool, right? It's not going to satisfy you. I know millionaires. Actually, many of them are pretty miserable, the ones that I know. Not all of them. It doesn't satisfy. We all long for something more. We long for our true home. To desire is to be human. Think about that. To desire is to be human. And we all have common desires. Some of them are very obvious. We have physical desires, right? Food, safety, shelter. Those are good things. We have relational desires. All of us long for connection. We can deny it. We can downplay it. But nobody wants to walk through this life alone without friendship. We all desire to be known, wanted, and loved. Any person that tells you otherwise is a liar. Okay? And all of us want our lives to have meaning. We all want our lives to count for something. None of us want to live a meaningless existence. That is suffering. And these common desires are good. We all have them. But we must realize that our sin, the temptation, the luring into these unhealthy things is misplaced desire. And our methods to satisfy these longings, that's where we get into trouble. We try to satisfy the desires of our hearts in a way that we think is best. What will demand the least of us and what will get us what we want as quickly as possible. A quick fix. Think of someone that has had an affair or addicted to pornography or sex. What they really want is connection. They are seeking relational intimacy. They are just going about it in the wrong way, looking in the wrong places, misplaced desire. Maybe you desire equality. That's your thing. You will go to the grave fighting for equality for all people. And when we see pockets of people being mistreated, perhaps some of us, we might lash out in anger, point the finger, right? Blame, blame the wrongdoing of the unjust. 
But that method of operating typically causes more harm, right? It perpetuates the cycle rather than lending itself to equality and reconciliation. Misplaced desire. John Piper said it best. We desire the wrong things and we desire right things in the wrong way. And both are deadly. I think it'd be safe to say that most of us know when we desire the wrong things. If you have any self-awareness and maturity, you know that desiring harm for others, being sexually immoral, filled with pride and jealousy at the success of other people, those are not God's desires. Those are not what he wants. But desiring the right things in the wrong way, now that's one that we can easily get sucked into. So I'm going to give you guys a couple examples from my life of how I have desired good things, but I went about it in the wrong way. Probably the most obvious, uh, those of you that have known me for a long time, you're going to know this one well. One of the biggest desires of my life for 10 to 15 years was to be an incredible drummer, okay? Nothing wrong with wanting to excel at a gift God's given you. That is a great desire. But if I'm being honest, what motivated me toward that end was to be a famous rock star who made a lot of money and had recognition, right? I wanted the rep. I wanted to be the next Travis Barker of Blink-182, if you didn't know who that was. There you go. It's pretty good. Selfish, it was a selfish ambition disguised wanting to use my talents for God in the name of Jesus. And really what I wanted was recognition and money. Throughout my life, like all of you, I've wanted connection. We all desire that. That is a great desire. But the way I went about it was through people-pleasing. I became a yes person, rarely speaking my mind or offering input. I did not set boundaries in my relationship. I didn't want to rock the boat, and so I complied with everyone in order to do whatever was necessary to get people to like me. The desire for connection was good, but the way that I went about it, no bueno, not good. And finally... Another desire that I've had is to be a great leader, and I still have that desire. I want to make a difference in the lives of people. Great desire. But somewhere along the way, I discovered that I was demanding and harsh when people did not meet my expectation. So much so that at one point, I was actually told that I was acting like the dictator Adolf Hitler. That is not good. Anytime you were being compared to Adolf Hitler, I assure you, you were going about things in the wrong way, okay? Not good. And a few things come to mind when I consider the negative toll and just the impact that my way of operating has had on me and really on others. The first is time. I wasted a lot of time pursuing fleeting things, money and recognition. It cost me standing up for the truth for fear of being rejected. And lastly, my demandingness showed others at times that I value truth over grace, which in time will lead to legalism and burnout. There was a cost to going about my good desires in the wrong way. So, now that you know how messed up I am, 
Let's hear how messed up you guys are if you'd be so vulnerable. So I'm going to ask you the same question. What's something that you have desired that was good, but you went about it in the wrong way? I see the wheels turning. I love it. What's something good that you have desired, but you went about it in the wrong way? So let's keep it short and sweet. You're, think, you're talking of yourself, not your spouse or someone else, okay? We're trying to be personal and vulnerable here. So the floor is open. Something good that you've desired, but man, you went about it in the wrong way. Floor's open. This is honestly a tough question. Hey, Will, thank you, sorry. Okay, so he said he the yeah, after being rejected, he had the desire to not feel pain, and so he pushed people away. Yeah. Isolation, right? Not good, because we long for connection. Even though he was hurt, he wanted connection with others. Good. Who else? Something good you desired, but you went about it the wrong way. Yes. Awesome, thank you. I think everybody heard you. You got a commanding voice. Thank you. Good. Anyone else? Thank you, man. Cody, I think everybody heard him, too. Man, we've got some strong male leadership here. I like it. It is the, the military. That's right. Yeah. Will, you got a military background, too? No? No? Yeah. Yeah, you're like me, man. We're just soft. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding, man. Will, Will is not soft. I promise. <laughs> He's not soft. Heck of a man. Anyone else? One more. Owen. Yeah, that's really good. So he's talking about putting on a mask, right? Becoming someone that you are not because you think that version of you, that fake version, is going to be what's accepted. Is that accurate? 
right? And in the process, you hinder yourself from being known by anyone because nobody's seeing the real you. Good. Great stuff. Thank you, guys. Having desires, having longings is not a bad thing. It's a great thing. Some of them certainly are bad. That, you know, we've talked about, some of these guys shared. But rather than dismissing our desires, we should seek to order them. Order our desires. With the resurrected Christ living inside of us, we have access to his wisdom, discernment, and power to move away from and reject fleshly desires so that we can move toward desires that are aligned with God's heart. Forgiveness reconciliation, grace, and mercy. And most of us are likely going to have to ask God to give us desires that we don't have that we need, such as a desire for justice, a desire to defend the weak and the vulnerable, a desire to restore broken relationships with some loved ones. Scripture says you have not because you ask not. Ask him to give you desires that you know you need, and he will. He absolutely will. And there will be a price, too. You'll have to do something with those desires when he gives them to you. And church, what we're really getting at today boils down to one question. It's a question Jesus asked his followers. And it's a question he's asking you today. Let's look at that question. Open up to John chapter 1. It's page 1510, I believe, if you're using a pew Bible. John 1, verses 35 through 39. It says, the next day John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent the day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. So verse 38, if you missed it, it's the first question Jesus asked, and it's actually the first time he speaks in the book of John. He asks, what do you want? Many, many people go through their entire life not able to answer that question. So I'm going to ask you, what do you want? What do you desire more than anything? What is the deepest longing of your heart? If you don't know what you want, consider this question. What do you think about when you don't have anything else to think about? What do your mind and affection drift to when you're alone? When you have nothing to be doing in that moment, where does your mind go? That can often reveal what you desire. And try to get to the root desire. Because usually there's a desire beneath the surface thing that you think of. Maybe your mind goes to sports. I just want to excel at sports. I know we have some great athletes here. Consider what's the deeper desire beneath just sports. Is there a true connection with others that you want? Do you desire a sense of brotherhood 
with your team? Is that really what you want at the core of it? God has placed desires in our hearts to propel us toward beauty and goodness. And the desires he's instilled in you are meant to propel you to do your part to bring heaven to earth. But to make any real impact in the lives of others, we've got to first know what we even want. As I said earlier, life will feel meaningless if we're not clear on what we desire or if we desire the wrong thing. None of us want to drift through life. None of us, if we're honest, want to settle for living someone else's story with our life. We are each uniquely made in the image of God. He has given you specific dreams, specific talents, specific gifts to bring hope and healing to this broken, hurting world. And as Bob said recently, your story, your past experience are likely going to play a major part major factor in figuring out what it is that you want. Oftentimes, our greatest pain will become our greatest ministry. It's true of me. My greatest pain has been my mental health struggles. And now it's what I'm really kind of giving my life to. Is God calling you to move forward and helping others navigate some painful waters that you've waded through in the past? Is God asking you to start something new or to do something to help meet a need in this city? The sad reality, guys, is that many Christians settle for a life far short of what God had in mind when he gave us these desires. One more slide for you guys. Pastor John Piper again said this. If you don't feel strong desire for the manifestation of the glory of God, it's not because you have drunk deeply and are satisfied. It's because you have nibbled so long at the table of the world. Your soul is stuffed with the small things, and there is no room for the great. Like children that eat, that snack on Cheerios and graham crackers. Some of you little kids are like, yes, you know where I'm going, right? When, it when it's time to eat a real meal, mommy, I'm not hungry. Yeah, you've been eating crap all day, Right? course you're not hungry they've been nibbling on trash for so long there's no there's no room for real food real food that's going to strengthen and nourish them guys thankfully those of us in christ we can take heart knowing that the resurrected savior is alive and moving in us not only is he the satisfier of our souls but he wants to help guide us in ordering our desires to be more aligned with his. If you're willing to partner with him, he will reveal to you the desires that need to go, the good desires that you have that you're going about in the wrong way, and whether or not you're settling for the desires that you think someone else simply wants for your life. And guys, as we come to the communion table here in a minute, I'm going to ask you guys again, what do you want? Get clear on the answer to that question. Christ did not die so that you could drift through life, living a meaningless existence or living someone else's story. Rather than settling for a quick fix to the desires of your heart, he wants to use those longings to bring beauty and goodness into this world. 
So as we have a few minutes of silence, I want you to reflect on the price of Jesus' death and resurrection. And based on the reality of the resurrection, consider what you want. What is the deepest desire of your heart? And what might God be asking you to do with that desire? I'm going to pray for us in a minute. The ushers will dismiss you by row. You can come forward, take a piece of bread, dip it in the juice, and we have a gluten-free option if you need that as well. Let's pray.